We are back. Like we never left. We are getting Doug back. <laughs> Hella black episode 49. We almost to 50. We need to do something Bruh. to celebrate 50, nigga. That just made me. You remember 50 Tyson? Yeah. What, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the fifties that you could have mentioned, fifty cents, my nigga. Fifty Tyson came the first month. Shout out fifty cents. So I hope your head, boy. Nah, we we this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Episode forty nine. Hella black. If you can't tell by now, we have a very special guest here, live in the flesh. You feel me? Last time you were still in college and we was recording over on the phone. Were you our second guest? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe second. And you came into the studio for that one, right? No. Yes, you I was did. on the phone. I was on the phone. I was at the studio while you one episode, something, yeah. but okay. I wasn't on it. All right. We have the amazing, the talented, the almighty, the alpha and the omega. <laughs> <laughs> Khadija means in the building. What an intro. Oh, can we edit it? When you edit it, can you make it to where it does like a little clap? Bum, bum, bum. The world clapping. We gotta do that for sure. Khadija, how are you today? I'm great. I think you might need to get a little closer to the mic, my good sis. Hello. Ooh, watch your line. Wow. Damn, I just put you on my glass. You really wine. did. God. Yeah. You're living your best life. Always. Over here drinking white wine. What time is it? Over here in the day. Don't Big expose chain. me. <laughs> it ain't even five. It's three thirty seven. That's hella rude. You know That's hella rude. No, I was gonna say like it was man. offered to me. I was trying to be polite. I was saying you were flourishing. You could have said no. Shit, I would have saved that I shit. I like to say no. <laughs> I was going to say you were flourishing. Like It's amazing to see you drinking white wine at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody ain't On a Monday. Sense. Thank you. Everybody so, ain't able. Yeah, you know, I'm drinking my water. <laughs> Me too. Sobriety. <laughs> oh, now I feel really good. <laughs> Thank I you, friends. I, I, was not, <laughs> I was pumping you up. He was, he was calling you out. Like a I'm real friend. You. I offered you the wine. <laughs> Yes, we have the amazing. If you can't tell, we are all our friends. So slightly this tipsy. Is just, yeah. This is how we. The amazing, the slightly tipsy Khadija means is in the building. I'm tipsy Khadija in the building. I'm tipsy. Yeah, we're going to call this episode <laughs> Tipsy Khadija. <laughs> I've always wanted to do a drunk history. Ooh. So here we go. All Bef- right. Before we start, Blake, you need to um, tell everybody to follow us on Patreon, the podcast app, SoundCloud. Hella Black. At Hella Black Pod. Twitter. Open your IG, you feel me? If IG. you ain't driving, IG, Twitter, follow us. We don't follow back, but follow us. You feel me? Subscribe on the podcast app. You should probably do that so you get notifications right when we drop an episode. So open that Apple Podcast app, subscribe, give us a five star review. You feel me? And we in here rocking, giving this hell of black content. You feel me? This is black history in the fucking making. Oh right in God. here, right now, hell of black. You know. Rocking, <laughs> Khadija, what's happening? <laughs> and we got a good ass episode in store too. You know, I just graduated college. Yeah, I was gonna say, can you Ooh. update us since the last time you were on the podcast? Yes, Things the last time I was on the podcast I feel like our was people, that last year or this year? That was, was definitely like, last a year and a half ago. I was probably like two years. So ago. I was like my third year of college. And I feel like our podcast listeners for sure know who you are, and they want to know like what's going on with Special K. You Hello, know? I'm Khadija. I just graduated from UC Santa Cruz. I got a degree in critical race and ethnic studies with an emphasis in rights and revolution. I love black people. And before we even get started, Delancey, you owe a Johnny, my little brother, an apology for roasting him last time. Did you oh, tell yeah, him I heard about that. that. 
No, I didn't tell him you would do it, but I'm asking you. It's a request. For me to apologize <laughs> to a Johnny. Do you I don't even know what, what I you did. Said? You were talking about, about his, his three-year-old his hairline and his <laughs> Darth Vader <laughs> costume. Bruh, I'm sorry, Johnny. <laughs> you know I have nothing but love for you, bro. Okay, I'm great. So sorry. Congratulations on being the president at St. Mary's, right? I don't know. What was it? Ninth grade. He year? does some kind of. He's like an ambassador or something. He's he's important. Congratulations for being the leader of your student. Astrophysics. He's super class. smart. Yeah, I don't even know what astrophysics is. So <laughs> shout out to him. For yeah, real. really shout out to him. He tutored me in astronomy too. So that's <laughs> how I graduated. Has matured much more <laughs> since you were three years old. <laughs> your hairline has finally found its way. We are so proud Back of to you. The promised land. I hate y'all. <laughs> So yeah, Khadija's flourishing, if you haven't noticed. I am flourishing. I'm doing so lovely. Freedom papers. Shut up. (laughs) Khadija has put in a lot of labor in terms of shaping me and Blake to be the young men that we are. So It's love. um, I just want everyone to be their best. We're trying to work to, you know, give her her reparations. I'm working hard to give her her reparations in that. No, I'm I'm probably going to be forever in her debt, but... We're getting there. I like the sound of that. <laughs> uh, what do you have in store for us today? I want to talk about nonviolent communication today. Communication. But I think before I we even jump into that, we should maybe talk about like how we got talked to us kids. <laughs> because I do think a lot of the patterns of speech and communication come from the people who raised us and also teachers and other people who influence you so, I so guess, your early years have a influence on how you speak i think so i mean obviously people can change their mind and change their behavior and learn new skills whenever they want to but you know childhood trauma is a real thing um that impacts how you behave now and it can be helpful i mean it's definitely helpful for me but it can be helpful for lots of people to think about how people talk to them when they were younger and make changes based on that. I'm excited to learn about nonviolent communication because yeah. I don't know what it is. I hear people talk about it all the time, especially at like a university setting, like nonviolent communication, nonviolent communication. And I don't know what it is. So I'm, it's just a professional development for me right now. <laughs> this is like my favorite thing to talk about. I mean, when it comes to like my kind, my brand of activism and like what kind of work I like to do, I really believe language is an indicator of ideology. So I try to really refine my language all the time, which is why like pronouns are important to me, but also not, but, and also, um, making the intended impact closer to what I say, you know, make moving the intent closer to the impact. Can you give an example of that? Like in terms of intent and impact for those who might not know like what that means? Sure. Sometimes you might feel um upset with someone and you want them to know you're upset and so you'll tell them like i'm a i'm mad at you i wish you weren't that way or something um and the impact on them might be that they realize oh my gosh the behavior i did was so bad but sometimes they might just feel like wow fuck them why would they say that about me i'm trying my best (laughs) yeah you know like so like to move the your the intended Thing closer to the impact like just always trying to make what I feel in my mind what I think in my head cl- like received the same way you know just that trying to sense. that yeah that makes me think about 
your I guess your prompt for us to think about how we were talked to as kids because when I think about the language that I especially from the like the authoritative figures in my life um the language that they used was really harsh especially for me to be a kid um it was super violent uh and I know that that that's not what not making excuses for them but I know for a fact that's not what the intent was right like you think about even when I think about like getting whoopings right like it was not because they didn't love me. It was most people try to use them as like a discipline thing and also like a tool for trying to learn cause and effect, which I think can be learned other ways. But, you know, I know the the ways in which I was talked to as a kid from the authoritative figures in my life wasn't as a means to be disrespectful or to cause harm. It was, for, like, in a way, kind of rooted in love, um, which... People well, that's the that. intention, right? That's I mean, the intention, Our parents yeah. always yeah. are saying stuff like, you know, I'm doing safe. this because I love you. You know, uh, my parents, I think, did a really good job of always asking me my opinion and my little brothers asking them their opinion at dinner, you know, like asking us to really present how we feel about something. Not always when it came to punishment and things, but like about our day and about the world. And I think that has really been impactful in how I behave now. You know, feeling like I, what I have to say matters, feeling like my opinion is useful and productive and adds to things is because my parents were so intentional in that. Yeah, I come from a family where, you know, it was kind of what the adults say go type thing. There wasn't much up agency and autonomy for the kids unless it aligned with what they wanted. They wanted, yeah. I think my parents, I don't know, you know, like they still gave me the weird parents kind of behavior, but they also, you know, really made a space for us to communicate what we wanted to happen, you know, what we want for lunch. Like, okay, I was never really an assertive child. I was I have a lot of energy and I had a lot of confidence and excitement, but when I was a kid, I would never tell my parents that I didn't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which to this day I still hate. Um, <laughs> I used to have so many fucking like, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I don't like I love them. Those. I don't like them at all, and I didn't want to have them. And I would have them in my lunch almost every day in kindergarten. Bro, my mom will make them triple decker. Oh my god! I swear to God, like triple decker PB and J's, bro. And I just I don't like them. <laughs> but watching my little brother grow up, and after his first day of school, he threw his entire sandwich, or he left his sandwich in his lunch. My little, my youngest younger brother, Johnny, and. The next day, my dad went to Target and bought him a thermos so he could have pesto tortellini every day because he didn't like sandwiches. That's your youngest I was Yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> if Damn. I just said, you know, hey, dad, I don't really like PB&J. Pesto tortellini. What could I have had? <laughs> I didn't communicate my lunch. needs. Literally, <laughs> what? I mean, I'm sure it was like from Costco or something, but still. The fact remains that he my dad. He got what he wanted. Yeah. Just by speaking up. My dad was like, I want you to eat. I have all the money in the world for you to eat food as long as you don't waste it. So, yeah. I was like, this is great. Okay, anyway, we need to talk about trauma. <laughs> trauma. That is, yeah. That is the word of the day. Trauma. It's the word of the century. Trauma. Trauma. <laughs> trauma. The word of e years of trauma. The word of eternity. <laughs> okay, so what about trauma? What about trauma? Don't look at me. Say so we need to talk about it. We, I mean, I already talked about trauma. So I'm just supposed to just vomit my trauma? Yeah, right go. Now? Trauma dump. Go. No. <laughs> don't, don't do that. This is not. But you talk about childhood trauma shaping the way you communicate, right? So trauma plays a, a big impact in communication. Is that? I think so. I think so. I mean, it it really limits people's avail ability to 
uh, be available and their ability to be vulnerable with other people. Yeah. I think most people are really scared of being vulnerable for fear that saying this hurt my feelings or I'm upset about this equals, you know, you're just too sensitive. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. I, there's times where I don't know how to fucking communicate. It's hard. <laughs> like my anger, like I, I know like the longer I've been in therapy, the better I've been able to communicate. I'm about to say therapy has helped me a lot, like in order to like advocate my needs, what I feel. And like now, how I yeah. feel and how it's valid, like how to make a boundary, how to also yeah. like, you feel me? A nigga used to have, I sometimes still have anger issues, you feel me? So, like, how do I, like, take myself away from a situation where I know I'm hella angry and I don't want to do nothing foul? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, talking through that can be really effective. But that shit, I think, is rooted in trauma. <laughs> like, that. Well, just that even feeling like, fuck, yeah. yeah, totally. Just feeling like you can't say how you really feel or saying how you really feel is going to be embarrassing uh, or they're going to reject you or not care about you is a result of trauma. Yeah. Growing up in a household where my word really meant nothing, uh, it kind of, I, I watched the way it, it like shows up in my adult life, right? Like whenever I felt the need to like, unless, you know, especially if, if it wasn't with men, because I feel like most of my confrontations with men just led to like fighting, you know what I'm saying? So I think about the ways in which I interacted with or communicated with women, I would just like shut down, you know. Like, I would just like not say nothing at all. Like I'm not gonna say shit. Like what? What does it matter? Like my opinion doesn't really matter. And now I'm starting to learn, like all right, that it does matter, and that there are ways to communicate through what I'm feeling. Totally. I mean, when you feel like you can't say no to people, it yeah. creates a really unique and horrible situation, <laughs> yeah. especially when you feel like the outside authority is deciding what you can and cannot do. And parents don't usually use request language, which we'll talk about later, which is where you make a request. It's not an ultimatum. It's not a demand. It's where you can make a yes or no. Like you get to decide yes or no about something. And when you don't receive a request, there's hella pressure. It's upsetting. You feel like you don't have any power. It feels like you're not in control. And that creates crisis for most people. You know, like you feel like you can't say no to somebody and it puts you in a tight spot. And it's then when you implement like the world that sports played in our lives, nigga, like I've never had any power. Run. Like, I've never. Like, especially <laughs> with things that matter to me, right? Like whether that's in my house or boom, football. And then in school, it was like, nigga, you know, niggas get suspended a lot. I got suspended a lot. Sent out of class, OCI type shit. But y'all didn't. Start. Like I yeah, PE, I didn't really start finding my power till recently. <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding. I, I mean, I, I I was, you know, I was, I was what it was. But yeah, I never really found any power in my voice until like recently. I would say it's like a newfound thing for me. I mean, I just think of like when your parents are like, "Oh, go hug this relative." You know, I mean, my parents didn't do that to me very much, but sometimes they would like about my grandparents, of course, you know. Yeah. But just not feeling like you have autonomy you over have, your body. I mean, yeah, you don't really have control or like I, I didn't feel like I had control until I got older and bigger and stronger. <laughs> like that's when I felt like I had more control. Yeah. But Pretty it much. It came a result, as a result of playing sports, I feel like in some ways for me, like, all right, I'm stronger, I'm bigger. You feel me? Like I have more control now. I can't remember. Yeah, sorry. It's like 
you ain't gonna be my ass. <laughs> like, I can remember the first time I ever felt like I had some power was when I told my mom that I was leaving Humble State, and I did exactly what she asked me not to do. She was like, "No, I think you should just stay. Take the year off. Don't play football." That, and I was like, "Nah." I'm, I'm like, "Ah, uh, all right." And I just like thought on it for a day, and then, but in the meantime, I had like got myself enrolled in Santa Barbara City College, and I was like, "I'm leaving," and. Bro, my mom was so mad. But yeah, that was like the first time I made a decision on my own, did not care what anyone thought, you know. And then from there, I was able to do exactly what I wanted to do. And that's when I, I think that's when I really started finding like power in my own shit and like establishing a, establishing autonomy. Because like now I do whatever the fuck I want, that's, you know, for the most part. That's wild. I feel like when I quit rugby, <laughs> that was like one of my, it's interesting how our, both of ours is related yeah. to sports. So when I quit, I was like, all right. And then I started to really find my voice. In terms of who I am and all that shit, you feel me? And standing what I believe in and shit like that. Well, I haven't had my moment yet, but I know it's coming <laughs> soon. <laughs> I, I don't have a job yet. Like, I don't, I haven't had to make a really large decision against my parents or other people's wants for me yet. But I'm sure I'll be prepared when it comes up because yeah. I know about nonviolent communication. Segue, perfect so segue. Nonviolent communication. For our listeners, so non—I don't know what it is. So nonviolent communication is a a, a tactic, a, a form of communicating developed mostly by Marshall Rosenberg, who is like the founder of nonviolent communication. They have a website. I think it's like nonviolentcommunication.com. So you can find that pretty easily. <laughs> it's a <laughs> and good they, website. Yeah, they have lots of materials there. Um, but I would talk about the four pillars of nonviolent communication, which are. Um, like observations, feelings, needs, and requests. So number one, before you can even start implementing this into your life, you need to be prepared to just drop your pride, you know, and be vulnerable with the people in your life, you know, not just for them, but for you, like really being able to present your whole self and all of your fears, anxieties, joy, anger, all of those things to the people that you care about and the people you want to communicate with. Um, and so basically, nonviolent communication is all about how to communicate without the use of blame and judgment. So that means... Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was thinking. Because I'm like, all right, now that can kind of be misconstrued as to like, it's not just about expression. It's about how it's expressing yourself, right? Like, I think when you first introduced nonviolent communication to, my, to me, I was like, oh, it just means being like, completely authentic in which how I feel but it's like also about how you're relaying the information right yeah it's yeah. back to how I said like language is an indicator of your ideology and being really intentional with the words you use sometimes it's like really surprising what words don't mean what you think they mean for example one thing that Marshall Rosenberg talks about in one of his trainings is the word ignored and how sometimes people say, I feel ignored, like you're ignoring me, et cetera. And how that actually just presents blame on the other person. Mm -hmm. um, instead, like, because sometimes when you feel ignored, it's like, "Woo, I'm so happy this person didn't talk to me today. I don't want to talk to them. But other times when you quote unquote feel ignored, it's like, wow, I'm so hurt and upset. They haven't talked to me or texted me or reached out. Um, so that shows you that ignored isn't really a feeling word at all. Mm -hmm. And so if you can be um, interpreted in that many ways, it's not really a feeling word. So you can look up a, any feelings chart on Google. They usually come in a wheel 
where it tells you like different feelings and it starts from the outside. For some people, it's really overwhelming. For other people, it's really useful. But it goes from really abstract feelings like I feel anxious um, all the way down into like four different feelings, which are like good, bad, sad, happy, you know. And so it's like if you feel anxious, you're feeling bad, you, you know, <laughs> like that's the root or maybe you feel f- afraid, you know, and that's the root of your feelings. And it helps you really communicate, you know, I feel upset or afraid at this thing and I want this to be different. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it also. It's so much work. But it's also it's worth it though, because like it leads to having the kind of interactions that I think we all are actually striving to have, right? It's like where you get to express, and then it gives the person. So I I think about so like if me and you are like trying to practice nonviolent communication, I'm expressing to you how something you did hurt or made me whatever it made me feel, right? Mm-hmm. If I if I use nonviolent communication, it's an opportunity for me to actually express myself for you to acknowledge the way that you the the way you made me feel, and then it gives us a chance to like lay the foundation for us building these, these strings for communication, but then also um, allowing you, allowing us to pick up like better practices, you know, you not to continue the same actions. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the goal is always is right. Like for us not to be hurt. It's about freely giving and receiving, you know, like most people want to give. I just want to be careful. You said how you made me feel. And in nonviolent communication, we talk a lot about, how people don't make you feel things. And this gets touchy. Or how I feel. Yeah, how you feel. You just talk about how you feel. And the reason that gets touchy oh, is it? for people who are like abused, saying like this person made me feel this thing. But the thing is like, this is about you communicating how you feel based on emotions and feelings, which just happened to your body. Mm-hmm. Like many different things like if a clown walked into this room right now and interrupted our podcast you know it could make you feel upset it could make me feel happy and laugh it could make Blake feel surprised you know like we could all feel different things so did the clown make us feel that I don't know you know it's more like your reaction to the thing and so it's kind of what Viktor Frankl talks about who is the author of Man's Search for Meaning and he writes between the stimulus and the reactant lies freedom so it's like between what happens and how you react, you do have a choice. And that doesn't mean that you have a choice on how you feel. You know, it just means that you have a choice on what you do after that feeling, because some upsetting, horrible shit can happen to you, you know, like horrible, traumatic shit can happen to you. And it's not to say you need to rise above that trauma. It's just to say that you do actually have the freedom to make choices about what you do. Um, and so it, it, People are really touchy about that, and I totally understand that. And I was originally really resistant to this kind of uh, framework because it does feel like it blames victims for their feelings or something. But in actuality, it's all about empowering people to do what's best for them. So back to the pillars. The first thing I said was observations. So you want when you want to make an observation without judgment, you just want to talk about what's happening. So the example, the overarching example, arching example I want to use is about my little brothers doing the dishes really late at night. Uh, How does that make you feel? (laughs) It makes me anxious when I visit my parents and my brothers do the dishes at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. The sound makes me anxious. That's kind of rude. I wouldn't say it's rude. You know, I don't think their intention is to be rude to me. Like, I, I don't want to put a judgment on that at all. Like, that's just part of their routine. They play video games all night. And then when they're about to go to bed, they go do the dishes. 
Like that's their routine. I'm not going to say that's bad or horrible or whatever, you know, or ridiculous just because I don't do that, whatever. Like that's their own process. But my observation is they do the dishes. And so then my feeling about that is I get anxious. And so I like so the first is observation. The second is your feeling. Yeah. And so the first observ- the first part of the observation is without judgment. You know, like you're not trying to shame them into doing what you want. You're not saying like y'all are hella rude. Why would don't you think I'm here? You know, like, don't you think I can hear you doing the dishes, whatever? Like, it's just to observe like y'all do the dishes at 2 a.m. And the feeling is it makes me anxious to hear the sound of dishes. And the next is my needs, which are to not be anxious. <laughs> like my major need in life, period, is to not feel anxious. Um, and so lastly, it's to make a request to them which is like not an ultimatum. A request means that you're willing to accept a yes or a no. And so basically altogether, it's like when you do the dishes at 2 a.m., the sound makes me feel anxious. I need quiet time at that hour to relax me. Would you be willing to do the dishes before 12 a.m. when I come home to visit? And so you'll notice I made an observation when they do dishes at 2 a.m. I said how I feel. I feel anxious. I said what I want to happen, and I gave them a specific time frame. I didn't make it some open-ended, from now forward, never do the dishes after 12. You know, like I gave them a specific time frame. Because you ever notice when someone asks you to change your behavior, and they're like, from now forward forever, you know, and you're really, it's uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can. declaration that. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, uh, that's hella hard. But I feel when like you this could have solved a lot of roommate drama. Yo. <laughs> I was an RA. I have a lot of skill when it comes to that kind of mediation. But a lot of that is just, you know, patience, communication, etc. But this is what it's about when people are like, I'm good at communicating. This is what you should be good at. You know, like you're not good at communicating if you can't employ these tactics. So reevaluate. Yeah. Most so, people are just good at expressing themselves. Yeah. And they, yeah. And not oh, you got in me a, fucked up for doing these dishes at two in the morning. Nigga, you know, I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. And you know, like that is not effective. Cause think about when somebody comes to you like that, when your parents come to you and it's like, oh, your room's hella messy. You're hella nasty. Does that make you want to clean your room? Hell no. no. <laughs> like it just makes you upset. I'm a living example But if of they that. came like, you know, I pay a lot of money for our rent. I would really like it if you could straighten your room. Um, but it's up to you. It's your space. You know, you might be like, you know what? I want to take pride in my space. I'm going to clean up. You yeah. know, like it's my choice. I might do I might do it. But when you come at people like, you're so horrible and bad, like why would they? <laughs> why would they respond the way that you want them to respond? Yeah, it's just, it's not realistic. So can you remind me the four tenets again? It's observe. Yeah, so observations. Feelings, feelings and consult a feelings chart if you needs don't know requests. what you feel. Boom, I remember this. Needs Ooh. requests. Yeah, and yeah, requests. Yes, I feel like requests are requests. Needs and requests. And then what's the fourth one? No, it is the fourth one. Needs. Observations. Observations. Needs. Feelings. Observations. Needs. Requests. Feelings. Needs. Requests. Boom. Yes. All right. I got to make like an acronym for me. Yes. Needs and value. Oh, God. Maybe I could think of one. I would o- have to read. OFNR. Observations. Feelings. Needs. Requests. Yeah. And if needs is not a familiar thing for y'all it's also values you know if you value peace and quiet at 2 a.m that's what a need is that makes sense yeah it sounds really easy in the dishes example but it gets really (laughs) when it gets complex yeah (laughs) it gets harder when you're really really upset or like sad or someone or like something hurts your feelings you know it gets challenging yeah like context is everything in the situation is everything like i've and it's you can do the first two 
and forget the other two. Or you can do like one of the four. You could do a different combination. You could have the observation and the request, but you never communicated your needs or what you feel. It's It's been something I've been trying to practice and I haven't gotten too good at it. And especially because you have to fight your urge to do what you've been conditioned to do, which is not right. that shit. Yeah, it just takes <laughs> practice. I mean, just like pronouns, you know, just like using gender neutral language, saying folks and y'all, just like doing all those things. This, this is takes a whole practice. different type of. Yeah. And it's really rewarding. I'll say that because people like Delancey mentioned earlier, really want to give like people naturally want to give back and forth. Also, if y'all do look up the Marshall Rosenberg thing, don't talk shit because he does use puppets to explain this shit. <laughs> but it is useful. It's like the coyote puppet and the giraffe puppet. And the giraffe is people who use feeling needs-based communication. And then the coyote is people who are just yelling because they're hurt. I think giraffes have like the biggest heart in the animal kingdom or something. Not whale, like not out of whales and stuff, but like in the land animals. Yeah, the motherfucker's big. I need to ask a Johnny. He would know. Call him. No. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not to, like, I'm just, I already know a situation in which I can apply this, which is why I'm so grateful. It's, it's really, really useful, especially when you get the hang of it. Plus, like when you teach somebody else, like I really suggest doing this, not just with your parents, which is a hard place to start. But if you have siblings, if you have yeah. a best friend, if you have a partner, you know, the, that's a good, it's a good framework to work on because... You know, a lot of times people are just feeling sad or upset or angry and they don't know how to communicate that. And it comes off as like a beratement of the other person mm -hmm. instead of just like, I feel really upset right now because I wish you called me more times this week, <laughs> you know, and instead of being vulnerable, they're just like, mm -hmm. fuck you or I'm gonna ignore you because you didn't do what I wanted. And that's just not useful. Yeah, I think this makes a lot of sense in terms of like, foundations or relationships for sure but i think one question i have is like what if you are in a relationship that's just not a good relationship yeah. or an abusive relationship so like how does that how do you apply those these principles to a, an abusive relationship well you know i personally don't advocate for people to stay in abusive relationships and i don't mean that as like Everyone can just leave a relationship. But I mean, you're not going to get the results that you want dealing with someone who's not willing. And that goes into the thing we talked about, about autonomy. People have to freely want to do this for it to be effective. You cannot like when it's one sided. That means nothing. You know, like the only person who can sleep at night is maybe you because you know that you are being your best self and you are doing your best to communicate. But that still resulted in horrible treatment for you. So like in a toxic, abusive situation, like I would try to appeal to them by saying, you know, I really want to use this framework to communicate. I really I care about you and I care about our relationship and I want um, like I need or want this thing. But currently I feel upset, frustrated, et cetera, and then make a request, which is I want you I would like it if you talk to me in a a, a reduced tone. Like one of the other things in nonviolent communication is not telling people they're being too loud or too quiet, you know, and just really defining that as like, can you talk to me in this specific tone? So you're not putting judgment because too loud makes it's like you're being so aggressive or too quiet, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like you just talking. Yeah. You yeah. like you're not being assertive enough, you know, but it's just like just trying to be really neutral with your observations. So they're judgment free and then making requests. 
If you don't learn anything else, learn about requests. Like that is the most useful thing because demands are not going to get you very far. Yeah. It's not a protest. It's communication. Yeah. (laughs) Had a protest, fuck a request. (laughs) If it's a protest, we still making demands, you know. We ain't using nonviolent communication, but if it's... (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise. Day-to-day relationships, observations, needs, feelings, and requests. Yeah, the moments that I have practiced is I've I've seen that the conversations have... it's, It's really led to what I essentially need, you know. When you the first time you use this shit and you get what you want, you're like, wait a second, shit it's is a <laughs> like this shit is easier than I thought. You know, like it's it's challenging at first, but it's rewarding for sure. Yeah, nonviolent communication for your ass. <laughs> Hella black nonviolent communication. I hope that's helpful to y'all. It was to me. No, nah, I've already I've practiced it. Yeah, I feel like I've taking some of these things without knowing what it was but yeah i mean a lot of the times with theoretical knowledge people think you know if you didn't read it in a book maybe you don't know but this is shit you could just find out from what feels right and feels mm-hmm. good to you because so i feel like boundaries i think one thing i'm learning is like how to make boundaries or better boundaries like for myself you know and how to communicate to other people that i'm making a boundary for myself it doesn't mean that there's anything against you it yeah. just means no. I'm just taking care of what I need right now, and it's not like it's no. It's nothing about you, you know. Yeah, I'm I like think I've had a hard time. I think communicating that sometimes. That's hella useful. It's hella important because, you know, when you can say no to people, like that's the best thing. One of the greatest compliments I received is like one of my friends who would just say yes to everybody. I was like, hey, do you want to go out tonight? Whatever, whatever. He was like, no, nah, I'm really tired. And I was like, thank you so much, you know, for telling me that. You know, thanks for saying no to me. Not in some corny ass way, like, ooh, thanks for saying no to me. Professional development, blah, blah. But like, really, like, I really appreciate you being honest with me. Thanks for taking care of yourself. And later on, he was like, you know, that was like my first time saying no to somebody in like five years. And I really appreciate you supporting me through that. And I was like, yo, I got you. Because people should feel comfortable saying no to you because you respect their autonomy Mm -hmm. and you should want to receive that same thing because there's nothing more fulfilling and powerful than a group like your friend group feeling like they can say no to you because then you don't have to worry about if people are just going along with something because they like you you know you can know that they're really there that they're really engaging because they want to be yeah that makes a lot of sense it's nice it's really nice. <laughs> the guru of nonviolent right. communication. Shit is hard. There's a lot of times when you feel really upset and you just have to like take a moment, go on a run. That's what I've that's it. what I've done. I've I've learned to just like really think about my intention, think about what I would like to happen. Um and it's caused me to like I usually like take a step back before I speak now. I'm super intentional with what I say and like really having to like reflect on what it is exactly that I want. Because early on, like I said before, I thought it was just like expressing myself. And it's like, nah, that's not what I want. Because sometimes you just express yourself and you don't even like, yeah, you got it out. But nigga. Did anyone receive it or or, or like, does it make you feel better? Like what what was yeah like did they okay, they might have heard you. But, you know, all they know is that you're mad. They don't know exactly. They don't even know what you need at this point. You know, like, yeah. We, I just know that what I did made you mad. But would you not like me to do that or should I do it a different way or, you know. Yeah. So, 
We got yeah. a lot to learn from nonviolent communication. I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you smiling? I you feel tell? happy. Why do you feel happy? Because she I loves, think she loves nonviolent communication. I really do. <laughs> I really do. I mean, wow. It just makes my life so good. <laughs> it really does. Especially when my friends learn it and I can just I can trust them not to try to manipulate me into doing things and I can trust them to say no to me. So I know whenever we hang out, they really want to be there. And mm-hmm. it just relaxes like, relax, relaxes me because I don't have to check ways, in all the time. Yeah. I don't have to be like, do you, are you OK? Like, do you really want to be Because nonviolent here? communication in a lot of ways like establishes boundaries, right? Totally. Without mm-hmm. necessarily being like, oh, I need this boundary. It's more so like the way you're communicating is already establishing boundaries. It also, because you know you want the true intent of what you're saying. Totally. It also like adds a space for you to add boundaries. Like, this is what I need right now, you know? can you do this for me? Yeah, like yeah. that is a way you could communicate the boundaries you need. And it's useful because it forces you to think of what you actually want, which is what you were talking about. Yeah. Delancey. Like you have to think about like, what is my end goal here? Like, what do I want to feel at the end of this conversation? And you can like, sometimes when it like in the beginning, it's easy when it's like really muddy to just say like, at the end of this conversation, I want to feel like you care about me, like you love me and that you'll reassure me when I feel jealous or upset, like in a relationship. And then you could just go from there, you know, like even if you're not ready to do all of the beginning steps, like you can just say like, this is, this is what I want my end goal to be. Can we work together to figure out how to get how there? To get there. Yeah, and I think um, with the boundary thing, it's a practice of setting boundaries and other people accepting boundaries. And it leads to what Blake just said, like people always trusted that, you know, we were being our most authentic selves and that you told me exactly what you needed and I'm accepting of that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I know for myself, I think if I don't like something, the first emotion I usually fear is like anger or feel is anger. So like for me, I feel like I've been trying to practice to like step away and not communicate when I'm angry, but I don't always do the best of being like, oh, I'm saying like, oh, I'm angry. I just won't say nothing. Yeah. Feelings tell <laughs> like, you about what Because I know body. if I start saying something, sometimes like I get myself worked up if I start talking. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think feelings really happen in your body. Sometimes people forget how connected emotions are to your actual physical being. Mm-hmm. But you feel that. And it's your body. Like when you're stressed out, it's your body telling you to take a break. When you're upset, it's your mm-hmm. body telling you, you know, you don't like this thing, etc. When you're happy, it's your body saying, I want more of that. It's just wild, though, that like. The way you communicate is damn near from your parents or like how you grew up in some Man. ways. You know, I'm just like, damn, like, why do I communicate? Why did I communicate from a place of anger? I'm like, Wherever you spend the most that's time from trauma. Yeah, not just parents, like, yeah. teachers, you know. Like. And then if you think about like playing these hyper masculine ass sports, the way you communicate in football is like, bro, I'm fuck you up, nigga. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's the way you communicate. Your coaches are like, get on the fucking line, hurry your ass up. You feel me? Yeah. And like, that's the way you're damn near. So if you turn fucking 23 and you just graduate and you feel me like that's the majority of like how you're communicated to. Yeah. In some ways. I I know it just always feels like a burden to have to learn these things when other people aren't doing them. But I try to think of things as doing them for myself. Yeah. You know, like that's a really big thing for me. Uh, Like not thinking of my time as giving it away to other people, but thinking of it as my time, which I want to share with other people. You know, Now that makes sense. This is wild. Like, why the fuck we learn this shit now? 
It's like, frustrating. Bruh, <laughs> I just think about this shit. Like, why why weren't we taught this shit at like age five? Think about your feelings. Some people go to schools <laughs> where, like, like Marshall <laughs> Rosenberg's kids all went to what he calls giraffe schools, which are like schools where people talk to you this way. Like, can you imagine? Be like, I'm sure they have money. So, like, to be able yeah. to go to a school where people ask you how you feel and what you would like to do today, you know, like, like I can't even request? imagine that. Like, you know, like, Actually, I don't want to run fucking four laps because I have football practice after PE. Yeah, like actually, I would have not got kicked out of PE today. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. or I had a bad day at home. You know, I need to, I need to go outside for twenty minutes by myself. Is that allowed? You know, like, and that's the kind of school his kids went to. I can't even imagine that. I went to prisons. My schools are like fucking, bro. Oh Lord. He said, "Oh Lord." <laughs> I do not envy children, and I feel sad about it because you think about. Like, as an adult, how many, like, escapes you have? Kids have none. You have to sit there and deal with these people who are fucking mean to you. If you drink, you can go have a drink. If you want to kick it with your friends, you can hit them up. You know, you can take a sick day, go, like, leave, go take a run, go walk around, do whatever. You know, kids are just trapped. That's why I've been thinking, like, what did I do as a kid when I felt these emotions? Nothing. I fucking sat in my room and suffered. Knowing that I didn't want to be there. Knowing that I didn't want to be around them. Like, maybe you have a journal. Lucky you. You know, like, maybe you... (laughs) Me, bro, I would just break shit. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, like, what can you even do with that? I would just break shit, bro. It's fucking horrible. I do not want to be a child again. And if you have children and you're listening to this, keep these things in mind. Let your kids have sick days, even when they're not sick. I was faking that shit. Like a couple of days where you could just be like, I can't go to school. I started school. getting sick days in high school. Like, tell my mom, like, I can't go to school today. Just like, for sure. I would fake that shit. I didn't, I didn't have to fake it. Once I got in high school and it was like, I don't want to go to school today. Well, I would fake it because I didn't think my parents would let me stay home. And then one time I was like, I, my mom took me to the doctor and everything. And the doctor was like, doesn't seem like anything's wrong. And my mom was like, yeah, I figured. But I felt like she wanted to have a day off too. So we just hung out in the hospital. I remember one day I didn't want to be at school so bad. Like I chewed some tums and faked the rip in front of my teacher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I definitely remember in third grade. This was like probably like third grade. Yeah, grade. third grade. Like, you start getting crafty. So I told my parents I was sick. They didn't want to listen to me. They thought I was fake. I did what I had to do. I remember in third grade, I spent like a that week was, at home. My dad was like, okay, you can try out going to school today. And I went and I just fake threw up on my worksheet. <laughs> and I was like, I got to go back home. My dad came to pick me up. I was like, hey there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you saying that though too. Just like with that same facial expression. Like, hey there, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for picking me up, dad. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, shit. So we covered all. I think all so. I think so. I mean, if y'all have some questions, feel free to tweet them, and I'll just look at it. So what's your Twitter? Plug your socials. I don't really use my Twitter very much anymore. I just retweet memes, but it's at special K double zero, like special K A Y double zero. And then my Instagram, which you can follow if you want to look at me, <laughs> <laughs> but that's it because I don't really post quality content on there. It's uh, Khadija means. Sure. Should I spell it? No, I'm not gonna. You could find it. Some people might spell it with a K H though. Okay, it's K A D I J A H M E A N S. Khadija means hella black. So if you want to tap into this next part of this episode, 
patreon.com slash hellblackpie. Make sure you share it on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. iTunes. Tell your people about it. You feel me? That's how we spread hella black. So yeah, thank I'm gonna y'all talk for listening. About some good shit. Yeah, so tap in with our Patreon. Patreon.com slash hellblackpie.